All right, now I want to talk today about suffering. What's with the suffering? Um, you know, I, I suppose this is a, a huge, broad subject. When you talk about suffering, you talk about pain, you talk about something that is common to all of us. How many people here have never had a day of pain in their life? Put your hand up. No, I didn't think so. We all suffer. In fact, suffering is uh, an incredible aspect of our lives. We actually come into the world on the back of suffering. The child is brought into the world with the mother screaming and the child usually ends up screaming in the process too. So we are well acquainted with suffering. Um, Suffering seems to be uh, all around us. And the question, I suppose, that um, bugs so many people is the question of why is suffering around us and why is it here and if God is a God of love, why does he allow so much suffering in the world today? And I am not going to deal with that question today. And the reason I'm not going to do that is because we're going to deal with suffering and the reasons that suffering is here, we're going to deal with that in our apologetics course probably in the next, section, uh, in the next apologetics course that we do. And I want to leave a lot of that, those uh, difficult questions about suffering for then. But uh, not... I just want to just say this about suffering. Suffering is connected to your free will. So you, if, you, if you believe that you have a free will, then there's a connection with suffering with regard to free will. And we'll talk about that later. Suffering is also connected with free will and with your, uh, with your uh, love or loving an individual. Uh, and they're interrelated. But we'll talk about that when we come to the apologetics course. And you'll see that you know because of our free will... That's why we suffer. And sometimes, sometimes the suffering has nothing to do with us, but essentially it all stems from that and, 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 and we have to deal with that. So what I'm going to do is I'm gonna, we're going to develop a course for, in apologetics on, uh, on suffering and why, why if there's such a loving God, does he allow so much suffering in the world today, which is the, one of the biggest questions that there is out there. How can we believe that this God of love when he allows so much suffering to get out there? So we'll answer that question on another day. But because I think that most of you are converted so you don't have a problem with that um, question, I'm going to deal today with when. When the suffering takes place. Um, We in our reading program probably have started at the book of Job. You've launched into the book of Job. You've gone to maybe couple of chapters into the book of Job and you will you will have discovered that there's a man here who was everything was going very very well and there's a discussion in heaven between the devil and God and God brags about uh, Job to the devil and the devil says that's uh, because you're protecting him that's the only reason he's giving you worship and praise and God says because he knows Job he says well you can touch him you can touch his goods you can touch his family you can touch his skin you can, you can bring sickness onto his life, but you can't kill him. And so God allows the devil to bring incredible suffering onto Job's life because he knows Job's heart. He knows that Job will love him in spite of the suffering. Though he slay me, says Job, yet will I praise him. And he really shows us clearly that in and through suffering, there is a, a beautiful aspect of faith that can rise up in those times of suffering. So this is why we're, we're dealing with the subject uh, today because it's come in our reading program. Uh, and um, so I want to talk about suffering as part of life. Um, we are going to all suffer. Turn to the person beside you and said, have you done your suffering this week? 
Uh, if they say no, say to them, it's coming. <laughs> it might start even at this sermon. I mean, I, somebody said, you know, how long are you going to be today? And I said, I, you know, I think I, I'm going to preach around about two hours. It's quite short in, in the scope of things, you know, because suffering is such a broad subject and I want to preach at least for two hours on it. You know, in, in the light of eternity, two hours is only very, very small. It's uh, longer if you try to hold your breath for two hours. So I know I'm not going to preach for two hours. But you could quite simply preach for two hours on suffering and still not come to the end of it. There are books written about it. There is a, there's a basis for understanding it that is core to Christianity. When we're told to embrace suffering as being something that we should you know, hang on to, you're called to this, to suffer for his name's sake. In fact, Jesus actually showed in the in counting the cost that you have to take up the cross and follow him and there's this essence where you have to embrace this whole idea that it's going to cost you something and it may cost you a lot of pain in the process we don't like that we don't like the idea of having pain in our lives we're brought up in a in a society a western society where you know some of the big songs uh, like happiness is the truth you know what a, you know you, well, how's that one go can somebody sing that line for me it's a, kind of really boppy how does it go? You don't know it? Don't want to get it. Once it gets into your head, it can't get out of your head. It, you, got it. you know, you, you hear it when you're at the gym. Happiness is the truth. You know, if you're happy, you know. You know and, and you think of it. The guy who said, don't worry, just be happy, he, he wrote a song on don't worry, just be happy, killed himself because he got too much for him. It's true. That's because... In our society, we have this escapist mentality. We're into pleasure. Hedonism is what Australia is into, pleasure-seeking. And we want happiness. Everything about life is we just want to be happy. That's the central goal of life. When I ask uh, uh, marriage celebrants why they're doing the marriage celebrant course, they they, they think that marriage is the happiest day in a person's life. It all goes downhill from there, doesn't it? Marriage is the happiest day in a person's life and that's what they want to be involved in. They want to just surround themselves with happiness every day of their lives. That's why they're marriage celebrants and they just want to be happy. They just want happiness in their lives. And I don't know how many times I've asked that question of celebrants who've sat there in front of me and that's the core reason for their breathing. I just want to be happy, which is only part of the exercise because life is full of things that are sad and, and, and it's it's okay to have sadness around you. It's full of things that are extremely ugly as well as things that are extremely beautiful. It's, 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 it's full of elation, high, high heights in terms of emotion and very depth, deep, deep lows. And if you're going to live life, really, you've got to embrace the fact that it is going to happen to you and you ought to just, just get to deal with it because it's coming. The suffering is coming. So you can't avoid it. It's there. It's part of what God has called you to. It's part of living in a fallen world it's part of living in a place that is not quite perfect just yet and we're uh, people who are not perfect just yet and they're coming to a place uh, where God is going to make us more perfect Ecclesiastes tells us very clearly this that there's a time and a season for everything so if you're going to talk about suffering and pain it's seasonal turn to the person and say it's seasonal that means Sometimes it's going to come in and roll in like a, like a wave or a, or a cloud and it's going to 
thunder and lightning is going to drop on your head and you're going to feel the agony of pain. They have tornadoes in the USA now that are ripping the place apart. I think summer comes and the summer is nice. You get out of the snow and it's all very nice and then the tornado comes and rips your happiness all apart. You know, that, you know it's seasonal. And it's in every season of life there's a, there's a great chance for suffering to hit you. And let's read this passage of scripture and just see, see what he says about these things. And, and to everything there is a season, he says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verses 1 to 8. He says, a time and every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die. You can't escape that. That's a reality. And birth brings pain. You ask your wife how she's going when she's giving birth. She probably, you know, stick her nails right through your hand. And, she, and if you complain about that, you're in the wrong place because you ought to be having some pain as well. And, you know, and when you die, it usually is, if, unless you've got some good palliative care around you, you're usually going to go through some discomfort when you're grasping for your last breath. So time to be born and a time to die, all is associated with suffering. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to gain and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Everything has a season. No, but that's probably in one day if, you, if you've got a, a full life. He has made everything beautiful, he says, in his time. Also, he has put eternity in, our, in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work of God from, does from the beginning to the end. And then he says, the, the writer says, and I know that nothing is better than, than to, than, better for them than to rejoice and to do good in their lives and also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of his labor. It is a gift of God. So he's saying, yeah, it would be nice if, if everybody was happy, but happiness is seasonal, just like suffering is seasonal. And, and getting to deal with the seasons of life is important. You need to understand that this season, though, is very temporal. It only has a limited time span. And in the scope of eternity, it's a very short and limited time. Even if you take from the very beginning of time to the very end of time, when, when God winds up everything in, in his created order and he says, it's all finished now, we're going to bring you all home now, this is the end. That in the scope of eternity is just a blink of the eternal eye. It's not, nothing more than that. So this temporal suffering in which we are living now is very temporary. We don't tend to feel that way when we are going through it especially if we're Job and we're sitting down and listening to the counsel of your friends and the counsel of your friends keep on telling you, you know, uh, that how bad it is for you and how many bad things you've done, you probably get to the end of it and say, this, this torment. And then your wife would come and tell you and say, why don't you just curse God and die? You, you, you may feel like this is never-ending. But in God's economy, suffering is temporal. It only has a short span. And it's very important to keep that in your mind, especially when you're going through suffering and when you're going through the season of suffering. Some of us need to embrace the season of suffering with joy and, and, and to embrace it with a sense of, you know, suffering's not so bad. We need to relax in that time. We need to let God do what he has to do in our lives in the time of suffering. 
This time of suffering is the time when God can work with us. So this is what it says in Romans. This is what Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8. He says, For I, for he says, I, I consider that the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. So he's saying, look, God is doing a work in us that's going to be amazing. He says, you're going to go through some difficult times, but this is just temporary. And it's not worthy to compare what you're going through now with what's going to be revealed when you come back later. I'm I'm mindful of the birth experience and, and just how quickly women forget the pain of the birth experience. They, they go through it and, they, and they, they holler and scream and some of them don't holler and scream. They just sweat a lot and just grin, grimace and, 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 and do a whole lot of other things. And you as a, as a loyal husband stand beside them and empathize completely with what's going on. But after the child is in their arms and that little child looks in their face and Jade smiled about an hour after her birth. I picked her up in my arms, you know, and she looked at me and she smiled at me. Of course she would. I forgot all the pain immediately. <laughs> but you do, you forget it. Somehow you just go back for more. <laughs> for the creation, he says, was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. See, this, this world was subjected to the curse of suffering because of sin which entered into the world. You know about that. You know that sin brought the suffering. Before this, the sin came, there was no suffering. We, we lived in this place. It was, like a, like, it was called Eden. And that was great. There was fruit everywhere. You could run around with no clothes on. That was kind of good, you know. And, and, and everything was perfect there. Your, your heart's desire was right there. And not only that... Running around with clothes off, with clothes off, and talking to God, and no problems. You know, there was no guilt, there was no pain, there was no suffering. Everything was perfect. Everything was pure. Everything was just how it ought to be. And then we sinned. Then we blew it. Then we exercised free will, and that brought suffering into the whole thing. And not just us suffering, but creation groaned. Creation suffers. All of creation that's now is in, a, in, is in a place of winding down. Everything is not getting better and better. It's in the case of breaking down and breaking down. And it's all going, it, in the end, it'll all stop because it's groaning. It's groaning. It's been subjected to suffering. They're just waiting for us to be taken away and to be brought into a place where God says, okay, it's time, it's finished now. And then he'll bring back this beautiful place where there is no suffering and no pain any longer for us i'm looking forward to that are you looking forward to that i'm looking forward to that place where there's no pain or suffering but while we're here it's subjected to suffering for the creation was subjected to futility not willingly but because of him who subjected it in hope because the creation itself will also be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of god what a wonderful hope that is and verse 22 says, For we know that the whole of creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. So this birth process where God is actually 
fixing up the problem of sin and perfecting a people for himself and, and, and putting us back together again so that we can be restored to where we were once we, where, before we were sinned and be restored to that position back to, to Jesus again and back to God again where we're his children and walking with him with a clean heart and, 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 and no, no sin and everything's been dealt with. He's, he's bringing us back to himself. That's the beautiful plan of the whole thing. Through this suffering, through this time that we're here on earth, God is bringing us back to himself. Uh, bringing us back into relationship with him so we get everything that we lost in the garden we get it all back again for we were saved in this hope but hope has that is seen is not hope for why does one still hope for what he sees but if we hope for we do not see we eagerly wait for it with perseverance and so we know that this is just a temporal thing god says everything is temporal here everything is the suffering is temporal get your head so that brings up the question not why is the suffering happening but how do, I, how do I handle it as I'm going through it? Because it's a more important question than why. You can ask yourself, why am I going through pain and suffering? And probably somebody could tell you it's because you're stubborn or because you're this. or become this. And that may or may not be the reason. But question, answering the question, why am I going through the suffering, doesn't necessarily help you get over it and get through it. So the right question in times of suffering is how? How do I deal with this? How do I handle this? And I want to draw your attention to a proverb. And it's a proverb that tells you to go and look at the ant, you sluggard. Consider the ways and be wise, which having no captain, overseer or ruler, provides her supplies in summer and gathers her food in the harvest. How long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? And you say, what has this got to do with suffering? It has a lot to do with suffering because it's seasonal. If there's a season of suffering coming and you happen to be in a time of happiness... Get ready for the suffering that's coming because it's going to come. I mean, it, 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 would, it, would, it would be silly for you to think, okay, everything is nice now and everything is not, not painful for me and I can just, just, let's go and have a party and let's sing. Let's just play. And the very next day, suffering comes upon you and you're not ready for it. I mean, it would be better for you to be ready for suffering and get yourself ready for suffering so that you are ready for suffering when it comes then to, to come on you like a storm and you are not ready for it. Deal with life. Get yourself ready for suffering. In the good times, prepare yourself for the bad times. In the times where there's plenty, make sure you've got a harvest so that when there are times of lack, you are able to keep on going. And in a spiritual sense, we ought to look at the, the end and we ought to wake ourselves up and recognize if we are going through some time at this moment in Australia where it's not so hard for us, we ought to be getting ourselves ready for when it's going to get hard because it will get harder. Without a doubt, it's going to get harder. So the question is, how do I get myself ready? Now, I'm mindful, um, I'm mindful of my daughter... Renee, when she was 18 years old, we discovered that she had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And by the time we actually saw that it was non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, it was great, stage four of the cancer. They only go to stage five and then you die. So she was bleeding from tumours around her stomach. They were leaking into her stomach. The only reason that we were cued that it was actually cancer was that she said to Jen one day, I just don't like the black poos that I'm doing, you know. And that was, and Jenny said, "That's black stools. That's that's bleeding. You're bleeding inside." Uh, up until that point of time, we had. If she kept her mouth silent, we wouldn't have known about that. We wouldn't have known about that at all. 
So we took her to the doctor for a second appointment. And then we came home. The doctor says, well, you can go to the martyr maybe on Monday and get a second, referred to the martyr, get a second view. By Friday evening, she was covered in a, spots all over her body. We went to the martyr and they, they, they left us sitting there till 3 o'clock in the morning. And when I said, look, we've come here because my daughter is suffering. I don't know what she's suffering from, but she's in a lot of pain now and, and I don't know what's going on. They came out. There was nobody else there. We were just sitting there till 3 o'clock in the morning and they saw her. And immediately they saw her, they started pumping blood into her. And the doctor said to us, if you hadn't have brought her this weekend, she would have been dead by Monday. That's how close it was with Renee. That's how close it was. But the amazing thing was this, that God actually was involved in the whole exercise. Now, we didn't know what she was fighting with. And we didn't know what she, the, the, the doctor came out after they'd done a diagnosis of her. And, 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 they, and this lovely doctor, red hair, beautiful looking girl, come out and she started to cry. That's not a good thing. For a doctor to start to cry when she's looking at you is not a good thing. You've got to think, what are you doing? You're crying in front of me. Come on, where's your professionalism? She looks at my face and she says, she's got non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. It's about stage four. For her, that was a death sentence. For me, okay, now I know what I'm fighting. We didn't know beforehand. We didn't know what it was. And my daughter turns to me and she says to me in this time of suffering, it's all good, Dad. It's all good. And I said, well, why is it all good, Renee? And she says to me, because I've been praying. God, every, every person you use goes through some sort of suffering. Every person that you use goes through some sort of trial. Everyone that you've been good to pick up, she says, goes through some terrible. I've been praying. She was at that time going Sunday nights to to Hillsong Church, and she was getting on her knees on Sunday night, and she was praying, God, where are my hard times? Where are my hard times? I've been born into a family that's good. Everything's good. I've had no hard times in my life. Where are my hard times? And God says, here they are. Deal with this. Now, let me say, how did she go? Well, we got, they told her at the end of the exercise she wasn't going to have children and we just saw the birth of our granddaughter, fourth grandchild with her through that family. A miracle, a little miracle took place. But listen, let me tell you something about preparation. Early on in the piece when my kids were small, I got rid of the TV, partly because I have a problem with looking at too much TV and partly because I, I didn't like the things that were happening with my kids when they were listening and watching the news and watching all the adverts. So we, we got rid of the TV. It was hard. I put it in the cupboard, and Nathan learned to get it down from the cupboard and plug it into the wall when I was gone. Once, I think, you did that, didn't you? Probably once or twice. Well, that's all he's adding up to anyway. But let me tell you something. When you do that, you've got to fill your life with something else because TV takes a lot of time. And my girls filled their lives with scripture and song. They filled their minds with scripture and song. They did little dances for it. You know, it's embarrassing being a dad when you've got girls who choreograph their dancing. They said, sit down, dad, sit down, dad. And you sit down and you, you sit there. And then they said, they turn the music on. Bling, bling, and then they stand there with full face smile and they begin to dance around in front of you. And you sit down and go, I've got to keep on watching, but I'm really embarrassed. I don't know what to do now but they were filling their lives with songs of praise. They were filling their lives with 
scripture. They were filling their lives with something that would be a resource in times of trouble. They were using the summertime to get ready for the winter. They were smart. They didn't know they were smart, but they were being smart because winter is coming. And when Renee's winter came upon her, she put balloons up in her ward. You would have gone to see it. Her ward was bright with balloons and bright colours. And she put scriptures around the ward. She wasn't about to die. She was about to live. And they took her out of that room because she's in a public ward and everybody else around her is dying and she's too bright. So they put her in her own room so she could recover with dignity. And that's what she did. She recovered with the... How did she get through the winter? How did she get through the pain? How did she get through the numerous tests and the horrible stuff that happened to her in this fight back to life again? How did she get through it? How did she sustain herself? How did she keep on going? She did it because she put a resource in in the, in the summertime so she had something when the wintertime comes. So how do you deal with suffering? You start dealing with suffering when it's good times, friends. You don't sit back and say, oh, I've no pain, no suffering. Life is good. Let's eat, drink, and be merry. You sit down and say, life is good, but suffering is coming. That's a reality. You might say, oh, I'm never going to be sick. I'm not. That's okay. You may not be, but somebody near to you might be. And that's going to cause you a whole lot of different wrinkle in terms of suffering. Seeing somebody else in suffer. And you can't do anything about it. Are you ready for that? Are you ready to go through the pain and the suffering yourself? Are you ready to die for your faith? Are you ready? And if you're not ready, if you don't know whether you could grasp that just yet, you need to start putting some stores away so that you have some confidence when the winter time comes. You know, we get a little bit lazy because it's easy. But when it gets hard, it may be too late to put the resources away because they may not be around. We stack them away. So this encouragement to you today is to think about how we can live today so that we prepare ourselves for the tough times that are coming. In James chapter 1, verse 2, verses, uh, verse two to 8, we told, my brethren, and I love this because it's just so in your face. It says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Turn to the person beside you and say, I want to see a smile on your face the next time you're in pain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not something that we do really uh, I mean, we, we, we know the scripture says that, that we should mourn with those that mourn, rejoice with those that rejoice and mourn with those that mourn. But James is actually saying, he's actually, he's, he's, he's hit this passage of scripture to the people who have been scattered. They understand what it is to be persecuted. They understand what it is to be at pain. They understand what it is to be slaughtered for their faith. They are living in the times where they are being slaughtered for their faith. And he, and he addresses them. He says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Well, that to me speaks of a, an attitudinal shift. Stop you complaining about the tough times, but start recognizing the potential that tough times are bringing you. It's an attitudinal shift because it has to do with the way you view the things that are happening to you. 
if all the time you sit down and we think about how painful it is and how sad it is and how unfair it is that God would be allowing us to go through this difficult and terrible time rather than saying how wonderful this is that God would allow me to go through this difficult time because he sees that he's going to polish something inside of me. We do not embrace pain and suffering with the glee that God gives us to embrace it with. Listen, I'm going to deal with you now. I'm going to bring out something that's really perfect in your life. Just hold on there while I chip something off. Just hang on there while I deal with you and bring you down. We don't ask God to bring us down because we like to stay up all the time. We like to be up here and we, like, we think, oh, here, this is nice on the mountaintop. And God says, yeah, I've got to take you down. And he'll take us down to the valley and he will do some work in the valley. While we're in the valley, he will start to perfect us. And he'll bring us up, hold us in the sunlight again and say, yeah, that looks good, doesn't it? It shines real night. Oh, there's a bit over there. I need to take that down in the valley again you go. Well, I do some more work on this diamond that I'm fashioning for my ring to shine and glitter the glory of Jesus. We don't like it. We don't like suffering. Please don't make me suffer, Jesus. Please keep... You know, we pray, keep us safe. God is not interested so much in keeping you safe. He's interested in making you strong. And I want to keep you safe from hardship. If you're praying, Jesus, don't let me fall into hardship. You'll probably find you walk straight into it the very next moment. And you say, oh, why are you doing this to me? Wrong question. How can I get over through this? Right question. We already know why sin entered into the world. That's why you might have been born blind. You might have been born without legs. That's horrible suffering. Not you. you didn't do anything. But are you born into a wall, a world that is broken? Just hang on there. Yeah, sit there for 40 years, will you? Beg in for 40 years. At the end of 40 years, I will have finished my time and I'll give you legs. That's what you read in the book of Acts. Jesus even walked past that man and didn't heal him. Not time yet. A couple more months. Come on, Jesus, do something for me. Not time yet. Not time yet. Can I work it out? You see, we have this attitude that we want everything to be pleasant for us and we want everything to be nice for us, but we don't have an attitude that says, hard times are coming, let's embrace them. Consider it joy, he says. So to develop it, joy, because we have a, an understanding that he is developing in us the character of Jesus. Because it's when things are really tough that then we get to see what we are really like. When we get frustrated and can't control ourselves because of the hardships that are around us, we get to see a glimpse of what we are like. And God already knows what we are like, but it's good that we see that so that we can just settle down and become more like Jesus in those difficult times so that we don't respond. And Jesus was taken and they, they put him up and they started to whip him. They ripped skin from his back with a cat of nine tails. He said nothing. He probably groaned a little bit, shuddered, with the pain as his skin was ripped off his back. But he didn't retaliate. Without a word, they nailed him to a tree, struck him up there. And what came out of his mouth wasn't retaliation. Kill him! 
them, send them to hell, send the bear out of the woods and let them eat them alive. You know, call down fire from heaven and burn them where they are, fry them. No, 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 no. Father, forgive them. That's what he's working in us, the character of Jesus. But when does he bring that out in us? Well, he brings that out in us when we're under the hammer. We were being thumped, he bringing it out. He says, you know the thing, he says, you've got to just have a right attitude, you're going under the hammer. Yippee! Tough times are coming. God is going to do some work in my character. If you want to have some work done in your character, all you need to do is become a pastor of a church. Seriously. Seriously. It's one of the toughest things you can do. You know why? You know why it's so tough? I'll tell you why it's tough. Because I know what ideally good looks like. Because I study what good looks like. I study what perfection looks like. And when I deal with people, I'm often disappointed. And when you are often disappointed, you've got to have patience. You've got to have the love of Jesus inside you because he's doing a work in you just as much as he's doing a work in everybody else. It's just got to be there. It's tough. It was tough when I was a concreter and it's tough when I'm a pastor. It's tough if I'm an artist. It's tough if I'm an accountant. It's tough. Whatever you do, it's tough because you are going to interface not only with yourself, but with other people who are different to you, and you're going to have to get along, and you're going to have to become more like Jesus in all of those reactions. And that, my friend, is iron sharpened iron. Sparks are flying. But Jesus is looking to make something beautiful in his time. And this is the only time and the only place which he can deal with us. Because once we get to heaven, we're already there. Perfection has come. So if he wants us to make us look good, bring it on. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm in for some suffering this week. <laughs> uh, I didn't hear that, Chanel. What was that you're saying? She said, oh, that's not even coming out of my mouth. Some of, you, some of you will bring suffering upon yourself that you don't need to bring upon yourself because you're not wise. Others of you will be brought into suffering because you are wise. That's the truth. Let me say it again. Some of you will fall into suffering because you are not wise. Because you're not listening to me. And because you're not listening to the word. You'll fall into pain and suffering because of your sin. You just have to read First Peter and Second Peter. He says that in a nutshell. He says, you know, some of you will suffer for doing wrong and others of you will suffer for doing right. You will not escape suffering. You will get it one way or the other. He says it's better that you suffer for doing the right thing and being wise than for being silly and doing the wrong thing. You will not escape suffering. Suffering is your meat. You will eat it. So you ought to count it joy. God's developing character within you. And when you're in a situation and it's all so very ugly and your mind is going scramble, 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 I don't know what to do. I'm in so much pain. I am so distracted and you're tempted to ring up and to complain or whatever. And some people are good for that and that's okay. 
I have people that I complain to and people who complain to me and we're fine with that. You ought to find somebody who you can complain to that can hold your confidence. It's okay to share your burdens with somebody else and to let it all out and to talk to somebody else because you're not to bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. So you're, it's there, it's good for you to do that. So there's nothing wrong with about sharing the pain that you're going through with somebody who's going to listen to you and pray for you and lead you in the right direction. That's okay, okay? So don't say, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear anything negative coming out of you. You're meant to mourn with those who mourn and weep with those who weep. How can you ever mourn with somebody who mourns unless you sit and shut your mouth and listen to the pain that they're going through and ask God for wisdom for them? But if you don't have wisdom, get wisdom from God and believe that he'll give it to you. But he will give it to you because he wants you to come through this thing. He wants you to get stronger through this thing. He's right there. He says, okay, I'll put some heat on you now. I'm boiling you now. Will you ask for wisdom? Where are you going to run to? What are you going to ask for? Are you going to run to the world? Are you going to run to somewhere else and try and get a question? Run to Jesus. Jesus, give me wisdom. How do I deal with this pain in my life? And he says, oh, good. Let me help you now. And he'll give you the answers that you need. You'll get the answers when you ask him. So it's really all about the who with suffering. It's not really about the how, but the who. Who do we go to when we suffer the pain? Because suffering always takes you to someone. I mean, isn't it bad if, you, if you're in suffering and there is no one? Imagine that. You're in, in the pit of suffering and there is no one to talk to about it. There is no one who understands. There is no one who cares. There is no one who has spent some time. They, you are just all alone. And some of you may feel like that's what it, that You don't have to feel that. Why? Because God is there for you. He understands it's a seasonal thing, happiness. He understands that suffering is going to eat most of your life up. He understands that and he says to you, here I am, come to me. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercy and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves have been comforted. Come to God. Isn't it crazy? You know, you go, you go to the States or you, go, you see some catastrophe happen around the world. The, the towers came down. And the churches in the States said they had more people coming to church now than ever before. Their churches were full. Why is that? Calamity. Pain. Suffering. Come to God. God's the only one who can give you comfort in these times of difficulty. God allows that because he wants you to draw near to him. So he allows suffering and pain to come on your life because it draws you closer to him. Draws you into a place of communion with him. So that you can get something from God in the time of suffering that will help you to be better, to help you change, help you to be a better person. And even if there's no one else there to help you through the time and it's just God who comforts you in your horrible situation, you are now better prepared to comfort somebody else in the situations where you have been comforted in. Some of you have gone through pain by yourself and you've gone through and God has been real to you and he's blessed you and he's ministered to you. And you said, oh, you know, you'll have to go through it by yourself. No, you don't. Come to God. God's now equipped me to help you. 
So Bella, the pain that you feel, maybe it goes through such a situation, you sit there and say, oh, I'm going through some difficult thing. I'm a young girl. I'm a, I've, it's going through adolescence. It's difficult. Everybody who's adolescent, been through adolescence, put your hand up if it was easy. No one. Well, we're, oh, you're an exception, Ruth. <laughs> you're going to bear it when you get older. We all got it when we were younger. It was terrible. Adolescence was horrible. It was horrible. It was, it was even before you got to adolescence for you, I think. Yeah, I don't <laughs> so it's really, it can be really painful. But what God wants to do in you, Bella, is to perfect something that is so beautiful that when you turn around and you find somebody who's going through similar situations, you have an answer. An answer. And boy, there's lots of people who've got problems out there, especially in this day and age, especially young people today, just lost, 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 terribly lost. But Jesus put something inside of you. Esther, he put something inside of you which gives you the answer for those who are lost. And yes, you go through pain just like they do, but the, the difference is you've got Jesus. You've got the comforter. And that's the great difference. We have the comforter. He is wonderful. He is beautiful. He is accessible. He is always there. He will never, ever leave you, nor will he ever forsake you where you may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I shall not fear what man shall do unto me. You might be hitting the wall. You might think you're losing everything. You might think everything is coming down. Somebody rang me up one day and said, Mark, Mark, did you know that the 130000 that you invested in this place, it's all gone down. Everything's gone. You lost your hundred and thirty grand. Remember that day. I remember that very clearly. I lost 130 grand overnight, just boom, it just gone like that. I sat down and I thought, that's 130 grand. You got a spare 130 grand to lose? Well, I didn't, it was on my house. Now, I can go through the whole thing and say, why didn't you hear God say to you? But, you know, in the process, because it's all about the process, in the process, Jesus became more real to me. In the process of my daughter suffering with almost terminal cancer, Jesus became more real to me. People said to me, I don't see you and Jenny freaking out. We didn't. I can't understand the peace that was in my life. I can't understand how God just gave me this deep-seated peace in the, in the face. We could have been burying our girl. We could have been putting her in a box. We could have been throwing dirt on her face, not seeing her 19th year. But there was a peace inside of her, and people would come and visit her, and they would lose it. They would say, she shaved her head, and she's all puffed and swelled. She looked like she was going to die. And they'd walk in, and they'd, <laughs> and they'd fall apart just looking at her. And she's saying, it's all good, it's all good, it's all good. And I'm sitting there thinking, how's it all good? Because Jesus is in the midst of the storm. Jesus is in the boat. Jesus didn't get out of the boat. He didn't leave you there in the storm. He's asleep in the boat. That means he's quite secure. Why don't you just get up beside him and put your head on his pillow and just ride out the storm? He's not going down and neither will you if you trust him. He will not let you sink. He will keep you there. He will keep you going if you trust him. He's calling you through the storm. Trust in me. 
I am here. You don't want to hear him say, oh, you little faith. Why didn't you just trust? Just get in there beside him. The storm is raging. Put your head and say, Jesus, you are my supply. Jesus, you are my provision. Jesus, you are my health. Even if I die, I'm going to be with you. I've got nothing to fear. Death has lost its sting. There's nothing that will keep me. I'm looking forward to being with you. If this kills me, so bad. Hello, Jesus. I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. You have prepared a table in the presence of my enemies. You know, the times of suffering that come, the times of difficulty that come, draw you to who loves you the most. They draw you to Jesus. And Lord, if it takes some suffering to draw us to Jesus, bring us to Jesus. So what do we do? We have to look somewhere. Yes, the service of death we have in ourselves and we learn not to trust in ourselves but in the God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us and who we trust that he will yet deliver us. It doesn't matter. We have to get our gaze where it needs to be. The gaze needs to be on Jesus. The gaze needs to be on eternity. The gaze and the focus needs to be on that which doesn't move. We have to set our vision on that which doesn't move. We have to look at what God wants us to look at. We may be cast down and maybe, but we're unconquered. It says in Second uh, Corinthians chapter four verse seven, it says, "But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency and power may be of God and not of us." So yeah, we are in an earthen vessel. The body is going to die. It's not going to live forever. Some of us want to live forever, but you won't live together forever in the body that you've got now. You'll live forever in another body that's going to give you on the resurrection. I'm looking forward to that body. When that time comes, we will see clearly. Now we see in a mist. We're told, therefore, do not lose heart. Even though the outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but a moment, again, it's temporary, this light affliction, nudge the person to beside you say, it's only a moment. The children will grow up and, and leave home. It's only a moment. This difficulty that we're going through now, that child will be weaned only in a moment. It, that eventually, we will be old people sitting down waiting for the box. It's only a moment where we are now. It is only a moment. You're... <laughs> I remember when my kids were small. I remember when they were tall. And now I'm old. And I am temporal. I could be gone before the end of the week. But you'll see me again if I am. Why? Because I've got my eyes on eternity. It says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. God is doing something in Mark Reed. He's doing something in you, my darling. He's doing something to change you to become more like Jesus. And we will see what that looks like on the other side. When we get to the other side and God gives us a new body and a new everything else, we will see what we were meant to be like. We will be just like he is. And that's going to be beautiful. That's going to be wonderful. 
And so, while we do not look at the things which are seen, we look at the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are temporary. Everybody say, temporary. But the things that are not seen are eternal. So the suffering is just for a moment. Funny about life, you know, and I just say this in closing. When we're young, when we're small, we just just want to grow up. We just want to be big. Jude just wants to be a teenager. He's trying very hard to be a teenager now. You, you guys are teenagers, Jesse and Maddie. You're, you're a teenager. And you're not enjoying that. You want to be older. You want to get out of that and you want to be adult enough so you can do adult things. Not caught between. When you get to my age, you'd like to go back. <laughs> I mean, you're never really happy where you are. And the reason why you're never really happy with it, every, every place where you get is, is got some pain associated with it. So just get used to this whole idea. Whether you're a baby and you're getting paddled because you're naughty, whether you're a teenager because you have to live within boundaries, whether you are an adult and you have responsibilities and God gives you children, whether an old person you have aches and pains and debt and regrets and whatever else old people have, no matter where you are in life, guess what's going to be your friend and fellow? Jesus is going to be there to help you with the pain. You will never escape the pain. You will. Ne- Everybody stand up. Smile to the person beside you. Slap them on the arm. Welcome to another week of the same. Welcome to another week of the same. The, the, you, know what the difference, you know what the difference will be this week? You saw it coming. It didn't sneak up on you. You put a smile on your face and say, you know what? I'm going to look for the gold now that is going to be refined in my life. I'm going to go to that shop and I'm going to start taking from the shelves some of the beautiful gifts and the fruit that he's given me. I'm not going to get upset with the tough times that are coming because I can't stop any of that stuff. It's always going to come at me. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take Jesus with me every step of the way through it all and I'm going to come out a whole lot more wealthy than I went into this thing. I'm going to come out with more life now than I did when I was... The dying is going to produce something but the living is going to be beautiful. I'm going to live in resurrected life because I'm going to die this week. Amen? Let's pray and ask Jesus to help us. Jesus, we pray that you'd help us to count it all joy when we encounter suffering, Lord. We know that this is difficult, Father. We know that pain is not pleasant, Father. We know that it is painful, Father. But we ask you to help us and equip us and give us wisdom, Father, to set our eyes on you, Father, to shine us, Lord, so that we glow for you. We ask it in Jesus' name and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Go away and be polished for Jesus.